0: when the counselor is anxious on this edition of Truth in Love. I'm Dale Johnson, and you're listening to Truth in Love, a podcast of the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors, where we seek to provide biblical solutions for the problems that people face. This week on the podcast, I am delighted to have with me a dear friend of mine, Josh Weideman. Josh is a pastor at Grace Chapel in Denver, Colorado. He's one of our certified members, and I just have such a good time hanging out with Josh and talking to him about the things of God and uh, ways that we struggled in the past and ways that we can encourage one another. And I thought those discussions between us had been so fun that that I wanted you guys to, to sit in on one of those. One of the topics, Josh, that that we have talked about extensively is... This issue of anxiety. You've written a book about this, a book called "The End of Anxiety" that came out in 2020, and it was a very insightful uh, look at at how we think about anxiety, how we deal with it biblically. Being honest that we struggle with it is a good start, and then being able to answer those things from Scripture. And today, I want us to take a little bit of a different angle. I want us to think about this. You know, our mind is always trying to gain information so that we can help those that we counsel. But it's not unusual that that we're flawed as well. We are fleshly people. We live in this body of death. We struggle in the world. And we're not trying to conform our counselees to us. We're not the standard in this, right? We're we're trying to conform our counselees to Christ because we need to be conformed to him as well. And it's not unusual that we as counselors might experience some of these same types of thoughts and feelings as anxiety. I know we've talked about your story to some degree and I want you to just share a little bit about your personal story of the way that you've encountered these bouts of anxiety and the way that you've seen parts of your heart exposed through through this issue of anxiety. So I'd love for you to just share a little bit about your personal story. Let our listeners get to know you a little bit. Well, thanks, Dale.
1: Yeah, it's been quite a journey of anxiety in my life, things that I've dealt with at various occasions, whether it was my schooling when I lived in Chicago at Booty Bible Institute, I worked at a church called Harvest Bible Chapel up in Chicago for a while. dealt with some anxiety there and some spiritual abuse situations there. Then then went on to uh, take a pastoral role for 18 months where I had to close a church down because it was upside down. And I'm only 27 years old, but it's upside down uh, financially. And I had to go in and say, listen, I don't think we can keep going. And then I took my first senior pastorate after that which had a corrupt eldership that I stepped into. So I just had gone through the ringer very early in ministry, dealing with anxiety. Um, I'm now at the fifth church. And I often say, I hope the final church that God calls me to Mm -hmm. serve at that's, that's up to him, but it's where I'd like to stay. And um, it's been six years now that I've been a senior pastor here. And some of my anxiety has been most uh, flagrant while I've been here at this church. I mean, this church is a revitalization church. It was almost dead upon arrival. And we're seeing God bring it back in just some amazing ways. Mm-hmm. The Spirit of the Lord is really moving and causing all sorts of new believers. It's, we're seeing a healthy counseling ministry, which is great. But it's hard. I'll just be honest with you. Leading a church through revitalization is super hard. Mm-hmm. And I have uh, five kids going on six. I'm trying to take after you, Dale. So managing personal life in the little myths of ministry life. So a quick story, I mean, last year I was really dealing with anxiety in such a way, or I guess it would have been almost two years ago now, I was dealing with anxiety in such a way that I had two different panic attacks. And um, it was a moment where panic literally over had overtaken me. And I'd counseled people on anxiety, I'd counseled people on panic even, but I didn't understand what it was until I faced it myself. And it was uh, one day after some really, really, really hard ministry meetings on that day, And the previous day, I remember the dates very clearly, August 30th and August 31st. I had these hard, hard meetings. I wanted out of ministry. I wanted out of the church. And uh, one night I just, I literally felt like I was dying in quicksand. My wife's trying to calm me down. Mm -hmm. And I just got up and I started running and I ran myself all the way to the hospital and checked myself in. And I remember sitting at the check-in counter and the lady said, what's wrong with you? You know, what's, what's wrong? What's going on in your mind? And I just said to her, I mean, this, she's not even the nurse, right? She's just the check-in lady. And I said, I don't know. I, I did keep saying, I trust Christ. I know he's with me. This is through sobbing and tears and gasping for air mm. because I just ran and I'm not a runner, right? But I'm, <laughs> I'm crying, I'm running and uh, I'm, I'm gasping for air. And I said, I know Christ's with me, but I'm scared to death. Mm. And I had just reached an ultimate level of burnout like I had never experienced and it threw us into several months of really having to figure out okay how do we get back to a place of health and not let this anxiety mm-hmm. grip me so that's that's a little bit of my story there's many more things that I've put in the pages of the book, I will say this: Dale, not to give a commercial, but I want to give something away. Mm-hmm. I'll give a free copy of this book to any biblical counselor and any pastor that's listening. If they like to, they can just go to endofanxiety.com and ask for a free book. We have a place there under the pastor tab mm-hmm. where I'm giving free books away to pastors and those in ministry. And I've had several pastors write to me that have gotten a free book and they've said, "I just am so glad that somebody else finally said." pastors deal with anxiety yep. too. Yeah, Counselors deal with anxiety too. So I hope to be an encouragement and know you're not alone if you're out there and you're dealing with this, you're not alone.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and sometimes we act in the church as though we're such a sanitary place when in reality, it's really where all the broken people hang out. Um, and I think if we could Come to grips with that, that that it it the the need of the grace of Christ doesn't end at our justification. Right is yeah. um, even as we're ministering the grace of Christ. What the beauty of that is the reason we minister it so passionately is we recognize how deeply we need it personally. And so, man, I appreciate you sharing a lot of that story. And and I guarantee you, so many people who are listening right now have experienced and felt those types of moments. Um, They've had an August 30th and they've had an August 31st moment in their life. Now, when we think about counselors uh, dealing with Something like this, or people in ministry dealing with this issue of anxiety. You know, maybe to the world they would say, "Well, like you people are supposed to have it together," or maybe we even (laughs) build that idea in the church that like you people are supposed to have it together, kind of thing. But why is it that we see that that counselors and those in ministry, pastors, for example, um, experience uh, different bouts with anxiety and things like that? Why is that such a common thing?
1: So I was, I'm going to start with a little bit of a story. I was counseling a, a gentleman who's a first responder. He was a police officer. He'd just gotten through the, the academy and he was now serving in our, one of our worst areas in Denver. And um, he was a friend and someone that we were, we had over, my wife and I were having, I guess you could say a counseling conversation with them on the couch. It was very sweet, but he kept talking about how they trained him in the, the police academy on hypervigilance. And I said, tell me more about that. And he's like, well, I'll just give you the book. And he gave me this book about police officers and the hypervigilance that they face. I started doing more and more research and study on how police officers deal with this, this sense of always having to look over their shoulder. If you've ever gone to lunch with a police officer, most of the time, they don't want their back to the door. Mm -hmm. They want to see the whole room. They live with a sense of hypervigilance all the time because of what they, what they do, Mm -hmm. what their profession is. Well, what caught my attention is I thought, well, that's what pastors face. Uh, we often are caught in this place of hypervigilance. And the more that I read about it, the more I realized it was true in my life. I mean, even some of the studies on those who deal with hypervigilance in the police force, they're, they're, they're saying there, there's this sense of always being under attack or something's always wrong around them. And they're constantly looking for it or attuned to it. Mm-hmm. And it actually will take them days to come down from a place of hypervigilance and for a police officer, those days of coming down from hypervigilance is the only days they have off. And then they're right back into it. Mm -hmm. And I thought, man, that's the same thing for a pastor, right? We go through hypervigilance all the time. So for me, I mean, it can can be even with my email, right? I I will often say sometimes I open my inbox only to get slapped in the face Mm -hmm. every single time, Mm -hmm. because there's always somebody who's mad about something, right? (laughs) Um, Or let's just talk about not people being mad at you, just just people's brokenness. I mean, there's always some request, some phone call, some emergency Mm -hmm. in the other, in the people's lives that we minister to, that it puts us in a place of Mm hypervigilance, that we're constantly spinning really high and really hot Mm -hmm. in our mind. And we're, we're maybe not trusting the Lord as much as we should and not realizing these are his sheep, Mm -hmm. not our sheep. Right. And so I had to realize what was wrong in hypervigilance in my own life. And I think a lot of my anxiety was coming from that. Mm -hmm. And then I had to go to the Lord and say, okay, Lord, I do believe that these are your sheep. I'm just an Mm under-shepherd. You're the shepherd. And I had to start dealing with my moments of hypervigilance through prayer and Bible reading Mm -hmm. and trusting the flock of God and the problems of the flock of God back to the true shepherd.
0: Yeah, so good. And if you think about... Uh, the gifts and skills that, that people have who are in ministry, it makes us somewhat susceptible because we we are compassionate people. We do care about the brokenness of other people. That hypervigilance sort of makes us more aware. And, and in counseling and ministry, often you're, you're dealing with problems. It's easy to get a critical spirit because you're always dealing with problems. And we have to be cautious and careful, make sure that we're being fed. I, I've found this so important in my own life personally is, um, you know, we, we in ministry, we're pouring out all the time is making sure that we too are shepherded and that we have people yeah. who are who are shepherding our hearts in the church, who are ministering the word of God, who are checking up on us, who are um, who are unafraid to to speak very um, strong in our life and and uh, speaking the truth and love to our life. And I think that's such a critical piece of the puzzle. And, and I think that's a, an interesting point, us being hypervigilant, sort of always waiting on the next ball to drop. And that does sort of put us on edge and somewhat yeah. rigid maybe at times. Yeah. Um, now, as you think about your personal story, th- there are ways that, that you've dealt with it. And and certainly, I'm sure you deal with anxiety to some degree now, but certainly not the same degree that you did at one time as you've worked through some very deep uh, struggles with anxiety. And what are some of the ways that you personally dealt with it, your wife, Molly, and, and so on?
1: Yeah. Yeah, people will say, hey, you wrote a book on anxiety. Does that mean you don't have anxiety anymore? It's all over for you? (laughs) (laughs) No, I still deal with it. I will say, as I've continued to mature in Christ and as I've continued to apply the truth of Scripture and the ways that I can handle anxiety, it is much more under wraps. And I do believe that we can have uh, some some real victory in areas Mm -hmm. of worry and fear and doubt and panic in our life when we really apply the truth of scripture. So I am doing a lot better and there are moments where it still comes up. I think to be honest with you, we all deal with a little bit of anxiety all the time. Mm -hmm. I think every person deals with it. There is good anxiety. Anxiety makes us get stuff done, Mm -hmm. right? And I I better get that done or I'm going to get in trouble, right? Mm -hmm. So we all deal with that a a little bit. But how do we manage it in a way that still glorifies the Lord? I think one thing that I point out to is, i needed other people around me when dealing with anxiety i needed camaraderie and anxiety tells you the exact opposite i i will often talk about anxiety like personifying it saying it it lies to you all the time Mm -hmm. and satan is the father of lies so anxiety tells you go be alone anxiety tells you try some self-help gospel kind of things do things in your own strength Mm -hmm. right Anxiety is telling you the opposite of what God's telling you. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the things I had to realize early on is I had to be with other people. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that panic attack that I mentioned in uh, August, I, I actually was laying in my bed the next day. My parents came and picked up the kids, and took them away for the day. It was just Molly and I were listening to worship music, and I heard the front door open. And you have to understand there's parts of my life that are pretty private. I don't just have people walk in, right? But this this man, his name is Jason. He's a faithful friend of mine. He just walked in my house. My wife had texted him saying, Josh, had a really hard night. Can you please pray? He didn't just pray. He came over that morning in what was probably nothing more than his pajamas and a baseball hat. And he got in my room and he literally laid on one side of the bed. And my wife was on the other, and they grabbed my arms and they prayed, mm-hmm. and we cried and wept. And Jason still to this day is one of my closest friends and comrades. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's in the battle with me. You know, he's doing ministry all the time as well. I think other pastors, other biblical counselors. I've learned the power of saying to others that are in the same type of work that we are in, mm-hmm. "Hey, I'm really struggling right now, or I'm hurting right now, or um, I need a little bit of more prayer right now than normal. Will you please?" commit to pray for me. So camaraderie is important. Scripture memory has never been more important to me than it has been over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Not just prescribing in our biblical homework counselors, mm-hmm. but let's make sure we do it ourselves. Mm-hmm. And re- memorizing scripture, worship, things like that have been really, really helpful for me.
0: Yeah. And, and I don't think we have to hide behind our weakness. Um, Paul says he glories in his weakness because it's at that place that, that it's known that that Christ is the reason that anything good gets done. And, and I think we need to embrace that. We need to be unafraid um, to embrace that as ministers, as biblical counselors as well. Now, you didn't just stay in that bed. I mean, you're up now talking to me, podcasting and, and, and all of that. You've written a book. And, and so the Lord has done a good work in your heart moving you back toward health? And this was a journey that the Lord was um, using your wife Molly in this process and, and several other people. Um, what were some of the ways that the Lord, um, even as you were in ministry, moved you back toward health?
1: Yeah. Well, one thing that I've learned personally, uh, but I think it applies to our counselees as well, is that anxiety, and I'll even throw in depression, anxiety and depression takes time. And what I mean by that is we as Christians, as we follow Christ, we must slow down a little bit mm-hmm. and take time to deal with what is happening in our hearts when we're feeling these overwhelming emotions. So we had to take time. We took several months off um, from the majority of my duties. I was still preaching every single week. There was two two main years that I've really dealt with this over the last six years. But the, the first year that I really dealt with anxiety I had to preach every week, but I was absent from a lot of things at the church, like meetings and some of the things with our staff. I just told them, guys, I need, I need almost like a pseudo sabbatical. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I need just a little bit of break from some of the grind so that I can just be with my wife, be in biblical counseling. We, we put ourselves in biblical counseling mm-hmm. with a, a great counselor. Um, so I, I had to just realize this takes time. I can't go at the same rate of speed that my life did before. Mm-hmm. And so slowing down is important. Now, I tried really hard to never neglect the call or neglect the sheep that were in front of me, Mm -hmm. but I would do my best to either get them other help where they could have it. Or I would say, sure, we can meet, but you just have to understand this is kind of the parameters of what I can give at the moment. Mm -hmm. I I thought of it a lot this way. It's like a cup, right? My cup was pretty empty. Mm -hmm. When you're dealing with anxiety or worry or fear, your cup's really empty. So we could try to pretend that we have more to pour out but I didn't have a lot to pour out Mm -hmm. and I'm not just talking spiritually. I mean, even physically, even mentally, I was tired. I wasn't always sleeping well, I wasn't eating. So I would go, I was losing weight very quick, quickly. So I wasn't physically in a place to give more than I had. And I think that was important. And really my wife, Molly was good at saying, you just don't have everything you want to give. Mm -hmm. She would often say that the spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak, my friend, and just slow down. And so we did, we slowed down. We spent more time in the word. We spent more time listening to scripture, memorizing scripture, and even writing um, and reading personal study to basically counsel myself Mm -hmm. so that I would continue to grow through this season. So that's one thing I really want to say. And it it may sound so simple, but I I say that to any pastor or counselor that's listening that might be dealing with this or you find yourself dealing with this in the future. It's okay to slow down. Give yourself permission to slow down. I had to go to my elders and say, listen, I got to slow down. I got to stop. I got to pull back from some things. Yeah. I need to get myself healthy. And I actually had even asked for them, asked them if I could go on sabbatical, a real sabbatical. Like, can I just be done for a while? Mm-hmm. Can I just go away for a few months? My elders were gracious to actually say, we think that would be worse for you, mm-hmm. but we want you to stay here. We want you to still preach, but do only what you can. I look back at that Dale and I say, they were right. They, I had to trust other godly men and women in my life. Mm-hmm. Our elders are all males, but um, there were other, there, my mom was one voice that was very loud in my life, but these people were so encouraging to me to say, just slow down, mm-hmm. just just take this in and really search what is the Lord trying to develop in you through this suffering.
0: That's well, so important. And, and I, th- I think one of the key things that g- could be missed in what you just said is the heart of humility, where even as pastors, we need to be uh, under the authority or or submit ourselves to mutually to to other elders to yeah. hear what they have to say they love us they want to care for us and that's such an important relationship to have now one final thing and i want you to just give some brief advice there yeah. are lots of people who are hearing what you're saying they're identifying exactly with what you're saying they know it they they know experientially what you're talking about what advice would you give those people who are struggling deeply with anxiety maybe they're feeling burnout in ministry as counselors or as pastors what are some what, what are some pieces of advice that you would give them
1: Well I would say first and foremost use this as an opportunity to develop a deeper trust in the Lord mm. that you have to trust him to be able to minister for him Mm -hmm. and so that's what the lord did in my time alone with him or my time in biblical counseling he developed in me a greater trust i want to use this verse to answer your question dale romans chapter 15 verse 13 says may the god of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that's just the first half but it says may fill you with joy and peace in believing that phrase in believing this idea of Growing in my belief, growing in my trust of the Lord is the very thing by which I, I was able to experience a greater filling of hope, mm-hmm. a filling of joy, and a filling of peace. The second half of this verse says, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you that right now I'm experiencing a season of abounding in hope. Mm-hmm. My counseling is sweet. My pulpit ministry is sweet. My friendships with others is so sweet. And all of this is the power of the Holy Spirit working in my life. Mm -hmm. But I needed to just simply work on my believing so that my joy, my peace, and my hope could continue to grow in the Holy Spirit. So, Counselor and pastor, I'd say to you, work on the believing. Mm-hmm. We know this. We've preached sermons on this. We trust that God's working in progressive sanctification mm-hmm. to make us more like Christ. But are you stopping enough to really work on your own soul or to allow the Holy Spirit to work on your own soul so that you may abound in hope? Mm-hmm. And Remember, that takes time. That takes discipline. Mm-hmm. But keep your eyes fixed on the prize, the upward calling that we have in Jesus Christ.
0: And I may add to that. Just invite other people. Mature believers to hold your arms up. We, we yeah. need help at times. And I know you've mentioned as a part of your story, you, you invited some other people who were wise in moments to really help you. And I, I think that's a key and critical piece. Learning to slow down, getting back to the basics of uh, believing. Believing not just intellectually knowing something, right? Pastors and ministers know those things. But believing in how do we flesh this out, knowing who God is and living this out in the way we shepherd our people um, and yeah. the way we trust in these things personally, because that's yeah. what gives us passion to minister well to other people anyway, uh, and yeah. then being able to give ourselves permission to slow down. What what an important uh, thing. Josh, this has been a really important conversation, and there are going to be thousands of people who listen to this. and so many of those people will be able to identify, and I pray it's been an encouragement to them. So thank you for being willing, first of all, to share the story. Thanks for writing the book, uh, The End yeah. of Anxiety, and uh, and continuing to minister uh, through weakness.
1: Thank you. Thanks, Dale.
0: You're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of ACBC. I want to remind you of so many churches around in the country that um, are doing biblical counseling faithfully. Josh is serving at one of these. I want to encourage you as pastors, lead your people well to to not just uh, care for their souls and shepherd them well, but teach them how to care for the souls of others as well. And Josh is doing such a wonderful job, I think, in, at his church in Denver, Grace Chapel, and uh, so many of our training centers around the country are Uh, seeking to do this as well. And I would encourage you as a pastor, as a ministry leader, reach out to some of these churches and training centers around the country who are seeking to do this type of work and find uh, brothers and sisters who are uh, attempting to minister the scriptures well and see churches radically changed in the way in which they build a culture that, that cares for one another deeply, because we know we're not a sanitary people, right? I mean, we have been washed clean by the blood of Christ, but we still wrestle in a body of death. We are we are broken people trusting in what Christ has granted to us through his death, burial, and resurrection. And uh, I want to encourage you, reach out to some of our training centers, and you say, well, how do I find out about those places and churches that are, are, that are trying to use biblical counseling to minister the scriptures to those who are broken? Uh, I'm glad you asked because you can find out that information about our training centers and so much more at biblicalcounseling.com.